Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Would you do that just for a moment longer? Why don't we shout unto God? Why don't we just magnify the Lord just for a moment? With your own words, with your own worship, with your own song, can you do that? Would you clap your hands? Would you magnify the Lord? I believe that God is going to do the miraculous here tonight. If you believe that, would you shout amen? Would you shout hallelujah? Amen. Amen. Y'all believe that? The Lord's the same on Wednesdays as he is on Sunday. Y'all believe that? I believe God can do it tonight. I believe that he will do it tonight. If you believe that God is going to answer needs, God's going to heal, God's going to deliver, would you clap your hands and worship the Lord one more time? Amen. It's an honor to be here if we, as we open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. 1 John 4 and verse 18. It is a privilege to be in the house of the Lord and to get to be at this church in particular. I love my church, this church. I love every one of you. And uh, it's so good to see everybody. I know we don't get the chance to be here all the time, but it really is refreshing when we get to come home. You know, people ask us all the time, you know, they say, you're from L.A., and they tell my wife, you know, you're from Hawaii. What brought you guys to Kansas City? And I always tell them, this great church. <laughs> and so I love this church. I appreciate what God is doing here, and I'm so grateful for the people of God in this city and in this place. I, I honor our pastor, Bishop Gleason, who I know is away right now. I appreciate him very much and love him and the entire Gleason family. Love you all so much. They've meant so much to us. Pastor Justin Gleason as well. Appreciate him. If you love them, why don't we give the Lord a big round of applause and uh, just thank the Lord for the leadership that's here. I also want to honor my wife and my two boys. Uh, You may have met some of you. Uh, My son, David, the newest addition to the family and to the kingdom. You know, we're winning souls one way or another, or we're making disciples one way or another. And, uh, So, you know, I asked that you would help us out. If little David, you hear him, you know, start, he's a little more temperamental than Jesse is. If you all know little Jesse, he's pretty calm and chill. Little David, if he could walk, he'd start running the aisles right now, you know. But if you hear him crying, you hear him, you know, screaming, that's not him having a bad night. That's him worshiping. So you all just worship with him, all right? Is that all right? That goes for all the other babies out there, amen? First John chapter four, verse 18, the Bible said, perfect love, or excuse me, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear and because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Would you put your Bibles to one side and let's just go ahead and lift up our hands all over this place and Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the privilege to be in this house right now. I pray that you would anoint my mind and loose my tongue to speak your word here today. We give you all the honor. We give you the glory. I loose the gift of faith in this atmosphere that your will be done, God. Even those online, God, listening right now from their living room, wherever they're at, I pray in the name of Jesus, you to reach out in the name of Jesus and touch their heart, touch their body, touch their mind, and in this building as well. We thank you and we love you. One more time, would you clap your hands and expectation unto the Lord and would you magnify God just for a moment would you shout unto God just for a moment would you worship 
Forget about the schedule. Forget about what's going to happen next. Let's just magnify the Lord. Yes! I feel like after all that last year has had to offer, has thrown at us, if you're still standing in the house of the Lord, I feel like that's something to be grateful for. Is there anybody out there that says, I'm grateful to still be alive? As the Bible said, if you've got a breath in your body, right? Praise ye the Lord. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. And so I'm grateful just to be here one more day in the house of the Lord. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you love him, tell him you're glad that they're here and you may be seated. Now, I'm not going to be long. You all know I'm not a long-winded preacher, but I want to title this next thought, uh, From Fear to Faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, From Fear to Faith. I recognize where we're at right now in the world. I recognize uh, the situations that are happening in the world uh, politically, socially, economically, and every other way you can possibly think of. The world has changed, right? Uh, a lot of people, you know, some older people that I like to call wiser people, all right, I've learned a couple of things there, uh, you know, they'll say the days that we're living in aren't like the good old days. My dad told me growing up, now, you know, he's not that old, but still there is a difference. He said when he was growing up, and I don't know if this is true or not, if he's making it up, but he said, man, I'd go to the gas station with a dollar and I'd be able to fill up my gallon tank full of gas and I'd still have money left over for a soda. And after that, I'd still have money left over for a bag of chips. And when times were really good, I still had money left over for ice cream. How in the world he bought all of that for a dollar? I really don't know. But the point is that it's not the good old days anymore that you can go to the gas station and buy all of that with a dollar. It's not the way it used to be anymore. But in this hour where we're living in the times that we are facing uh, as people of God, I recognize that we need more faith. Would you say amen? We need more faith, not less faith, right? More God, not less God. More prayer, more walking with God, more talking with God, not less of God, but we need more of God in this hour. As the Lord is soon returning, we need more of him in our life, more of him in our home, more of him in our conversation, in our walk, in the way that we dress, and the way that we act. We need more of Jesus in this hour. If you believe that, would you clap your hands just for a moment and magnify the Lord. And if I can define faith for you, it'd simply be an unwavering confidence in God, an unshaking, an unmoving confidence in God. And so in this hour, if we are going to make it to the finish line, if we're going to make it to when the trumpet sounds, we need an unwavering, an unshaking, an unmoving, an unrattled faith and confidence in almighty God. And the very fact that if God is on our side in this hour, I really just come to remind you that if God God is on our side. There is nothing and there is no one that can stand against us. There's no one that can destroy us. There's no one that can pluck us out of the hand of almighty God. And the fact that you're still here today, the fact that you're still listening online with the breath in your body is a testimony to the power of almighty God. And I believe that same Jesus is in this building here today. If you believe 
believe that, would you clap your hands and would you magnify God for a moment? And so we need more faith in this hour. But while I recognize that faith is what we need, while I recognize that it's essential in order to make heaven our home and even in order to make next week or to make the, the week after that, I realize that fear has also entered into the world. And I have been so privileged and blessed to evangelize these past five years. And within this last about year and a half, I have seen going different places. Fear begin to grip not only the world, but I have seen it begin to flow into the church. Somebody say amen. Even within leadership in some places, there's people that won't come to church because of, of this or of that. I get an anxiety attack because there's so many people. There's just so much this going on or that going on. I don't know what the sicknesses are or the problems going on within that church. So I, I get worried. I get nervous. It's going to flow on to me. I mean, I've seen it literally within churches. People are afraid to approach the altar. People are afraid to get closer to God, if you will, because of what's going on within this certain uh, circumstances in this particular time in the world. And so I realize that fear has enlarged itself or been allowed to enlarge itself in this world. And while faith is, as I've defined it, an unwavering confidence in God, I'd like to bring another definition, and that would be to fear. And the fear definition would be an un, or not an unwavering, but a confidence in the enemy. And so while faith is a confidence in God, fear is a confidence in the enemy. And when we begin to believe what has happened or we begin to believe the surroundings around us and the voices around us that say, you know what, the church has kind of met its final hour. The world looks at us and says, well, we realize that the church in many ways may have not been ready for what happened last year. And we come and look and realize, well, we've had more faith in this time. It has caused for people to have greater faith. If you're still serving God through all that's happened this last year and a half, I'm telling you, your faith has grown some way or another. Why? Because you realize that nothing is going to move you. Nothing is going to shake you. Not sickness, not disease, not any financial crisis. It doesn't matter. There is nothing that is going to move me. And so fear has entered the world. The enemy has tried to use it to, to stir the people of God and definitely has used it to, to infiltrate the world. That I recognize. But when it has come into the church, I realize that, that some people have not recognized that God is in control. And I'm really just wanting to remind you that God is in control. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 24, the Bible says, Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he, we're talking about Jesus, was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. Now, the disciples are on a boat with Jesus out in the Sea of Galilee. Now, I've been out there in that particular sea, and I got into a wooden boat, and I'm pretty sure that it was the boat that Jesus and Peter and John were on. I'm about 99.9% .9 sure that's the one. I think I saw some carvings in the boat that said Peter and John. And so how many of y'all been to Israel? You were on that same boat? Anybody? There's a few of you out there. All right. You were on that exact boat and you probably found a good place to take a nap on that boat as well. And all of a sudden, the Bible says the waves come crashing against the boat. And as they come crashing against the boat, the disciples are 
afraid. That fear is there. Verse 26, he saith unto them, why are ye fearful? And then he goes on, oh ye of little faith. You can't have great faith and fear at the same time. You can't have great faith to believe for miracles and this and that and the other and a whole lot of fear at the same time. And in this particular moment, Jesus, I want you to picture this, is in the boat with them. And as Jesus is in the boat with them, they are afraid. Fear has gripped their heart and they feel like not only afraid, but they feel like they're going to die. Now, let me paint a a better picture for you. Here in the Midwest, we get these crazy uh, snow things that happen. All this snow, I'm still not used to it. I'm not sure that I'll ever be used to it. Anybody used to the snow? Let me ask this question. Anybody not used to the snow? Raise your hand, please. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. You know, and all of a sudden, let me, let me just give you a good picture. You and Jesus are in the car Monday morning, right? Middle of, of you know, how it snows in April when it shouldn't snow. I don't know why it does, but every April it snows one or two days. 80 degrees the day before, it snows the next day. That is a fact. Every time, I, every year I've been here, I have seen that happen. And all of a sudden, everyone during the time the snow comes doesn't know how to drive anymore. You all can say amen to that, right? I mean, you act like people from California, like you need chains or something around your tires, you know, and they don't know how to drive. And there's 20 car pileups literally on the side of the road. You can count the cars that have flipped over, the cars that have caught on fire. I mean, you can count all of this that's happening. And I, I, I want to paint a picture for you as you're driving on the road on the way to work Monday morning. You and Jesus are in the car, all right? Jesus in the flesh, not in the spirit, in the flesh. He's in the passenger seat. Now, he should be driving, but that's another message for another time. I don't have time to get into that. And so you and Jesus are on the way to work and all of a sudden it's one of those snowy days and it's real icy out. Do you think that Jesus is going to allow both you and him and that car to burn up and die on the road? Can you say that again? A little bit more faith. All right, thank you. I know I can count on you, bro. Absolutely not. Some of you are looking at me like that didn't make any sense. We're talking about Jesus, the one that pastor preaches about and talks about it. The one that all these ministers get up and say, man, he did some great miracle. We're talking about the miracle worker, Jesus Christ, almighty God, robed in flesh. There is no way in the world that he's going to allow me to die in some vehicle while he's in it. Some of you all got so much faith, you're like, no, me and Jesus would be at the next Andes, you know, eating a a good amount of custard there. I don't know. Some of you like Starbucks or barbecue. There we go. All right. I've forgotten back home. I just got home on Tuesday. Okay. You know, you know, me and Jesus be eating some barbecue. I mean, I've got that much faith that he'd literally translate me and him to the nearest restaurant and we'd just be eating barbecue and everything would be all right. This is Jesus we're talking about. Now, This really gets me because the disciples are in the boat with Jesus physically. He is in the boat and they feel afraid. But not only that, they feel like they're going to die. Why? I've asked the Lord, give me an answer. And the Lord spoke to me and said, well, they're barely in the beginning of their discipleship journey with me. We're barely in Matthew chapter eight. They've seen him do a few miracles. Now hear me. They've seen him do a great, a few great things here and there. They've seen when he opens a blind eye and he tells the lame to walk and that your sins are forgiven, that people get upset because he has more authority than the normal scribe or Pharisee. They recognize there's something different about this Jesus, but, but they don't quite realize that he is both God and man. They don't quite realize that he's 100% God and he's 100% man. They don't quite yet 
yet realize the full identity of who Jesus is. They don't really get it even until he is lifted or ascended back into heaven. And so in that boat, they're afraid. Why? Because they don't know that it's that same God Almighty that called light out of darkness in the beginning. They don't recognize that it's that same God Almighty that parted the Red Sea while the Israelites are walking through. They don't realize it's the same God that's had his hand upon them that entire time. And so the Lord allowed the storm in their life. Why? Not to destroy them. Not so that they can say, well, I guess we should just turn back now because we're about to drown. I guess we should just jump ship and go overboard because this Jesus really isn't working it all out. That Jesus didn't allow the storm for that, but rather he allowed the storm so he can show them himself in a way they've never seen him before. What I'm trying to tell somebody today is that yes, you may have been in a fearful situation, but Jesus is trying to show you, well, you lost your job. I'm going to show you that I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, you've got fear in your heart. I'm going to show you that I'll be the peace that surpasses all understanding. Well, you've got a sickness in your body. I'm going to show you that I'm the healer and heal you in no way you've ever known before. Somebody clap your hands just for a moment and magnify God. I feel like revelation and understanding is here right now because God is trying to reveal to somebody you may not have faced what you have faced in this past year before, but I am trying to reveal to you myself in a way that you have never known. And when Jesus looked to the storm and said, peace, be still, they begin just a little bit to recognize, wait, hold on. It was that same God that did that in the beginning. Maybe he's really with us in the flesh. Maybe he's more than the savior of the world. He's also the God that was in the beginning. Maybe he is the one that is everlasting. The one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we begin to realize that as a church, I'm telling you there is nothing in this world that will be able to separate us from the love of God. There is nothing that will be able, no persecution, no hell, no high water, no financial struggle, no economic crisis it'll be able to stop the people of God somebody clap your hands and magnify God I feel the Holy Ghost here today They began to worry and panic simply because they did not know. They had not yet received the revelation and understanding of who Jesus was. If you're in a valley, ask Jesus how he's trying to reveal himself to you in that valley. We ask so many times, Lord, get me out. Lord, I mean, make a door out of no door, make a way out of no way, and just get me out. Anybody ever been, is that just me? Don't say amen. Just get me out. I don't want to be in this mess. I can't handle it anymore. Right? I remember living out of our car, my wife and I, I've told you all some of this before, for a year evangelizing. I didn't know it was a whole lot of sacrifice and, and until I kind of looked back. But in the middle of the moment, every once in a while, we'd realize, you know, one friend had like a one apartment, uh, you know, one bedroom apartment, and, and we got to sleep on the floor of that apartment, and we felt so like, wow, we really don't have a whole lot. This is a whole lot. What they've got... Us sleeping on the floor in that apartment, I remember driving away, my wife and I, both tears in our eyes and just 
wow, I, I mean, we really don't have anything. <laughs> and I begin to realize, you know, I could ask God to get me out of this situation. God, I can't take it anymore. I mean, just, just let it pass me by. I'm in the middle of the dark valley. I don't know what in the world, where in the world my meal's coming from next. I don't know where I'm going to sleep next. Uh, but instead, I said, God, show me that you're real, even in the middle of this valley. And God showed me that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I've never, a day in my life, not had a meal to eat. Why? Because God is that faithful, even in the middle of the valley, even in the middle of the storm. Somebody clap your hands. I feel like somebody just wants to worship God for a moment simply because he's almighty God. And the disciples are there with Jesus and they recognize that he is almighty now in verse 10 of 1 Samuel 17, the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And he's an oversized Philistine. Verse 11 says, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Fear is not new, by the way. You know, everybody says, oh, I got anxiety. It's like a new thing now. You all notice that? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah I got an anxiety attack driving. I get, you know, that's dangerous. Anyway, I get an anxiety attack just sharpening my pencil at work or I don't know, everything's digital now, you know, my, my, my iPad crashes. I get an anxiety attack. I mean, it's like a new thing. All the kids are saying it now because their parents are saying it. I've, I've heard it. It's like a normal thing. Are oh, you getting anxiety? Yeah, me too. Let's join a club, you know? So now the oversized Philistine, the Bible says, comes every single day. Now, the Bible doesn't say he's ugly, but I feel like he was an ugly Philistine Goliath. And I'll tell you why. He had six fingers and six toes. Y'all give me someone with six fingers, six toes that's good looking. And I'll just change what I just said. All right. Is that fair? I'm going to say that in the wrong place one day. And they're going to be like. But for now, I'm still safe. And he comes against them and he starts talking all kind of mess. I mean, you read the Bible. He said, look, I'm going to feed your body to the fowl of the air. I'm going to feed you to the, your carcass to the beasts of the field. Where in the world does this guy get this kind of stuff, man? And he starts going after the people of God, the children of Israel. And as the Israelites are there, the Bible says, once again, they are greatly afraid of one man named Goliath. And Eliab, the eldest brother of David, is also there afraid. Now, these are not wimps by any means. These are guys, the children of Israel, that know what it is to draw the sword. They know what it is to fight another man, to see the bloodshed of another man. They didn't get there easy. They didn't get there just because they got there through war, fighting other the enemies around them. And now they're afraid of this Goliath that's come. And all of a sudden, this David steps up. And when David hears this Goliath for the first time, he gets his vengeance in his heart and he starts saying hey is there not a cause who is this guy this oversized Philistine that he can talk about the people of God this way doesn't he know who he's talking about right and all of a sudden Eliab pipes up and as Eliab pipes up he you got to realize he starts talking against David now they're both facing the same Goliath you all with me out there facing the same problem, same situation, the same ugly Philistine. And as they're facing that Goliath, there are two different perspectives represented. It's the same problem, 
But there's Eliab's perspective and there's David's perspective. Now, Eliab is the oldest brother. How many of y'all got an older sibling or you are the older sibling? Raise your hand. You are an older sibling. The rest of you are younger siblings. All right. You'll both be able to attest to this. Now, I am the oldest in my family. I've got two younger siblings. And, uh, you know, I'm, I was just always better than my brother at everything. I'm the older sibling. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything like that, but, you know. And every video game, I was better. Every basketball game, I mean, every soccer game, every football game, I was bigger, I was better. I'm older. That's just the way that it is. I, I have a family, my wife, my two boys. You know, I've got a you know, place here in Kansas City. I live miles away from my family. But when I go to California, if my brother is sitting in the front seat, it goes without say. I just go and open the passenger door, and he gets out, and he already knows he's got to go to the back seat. Right? I mean, no matter how old you get, you are the oldest sibling. Just go. I mean, he don't have to, I don't even have to say anything. He already knows. And Eliab pipes up as little David starts talking. Hey, man. And Eliab says, look, what's going on? He said, I know the naughtiness of your heart. I know that you're all messed up inside and you're just out here to see the battle and just to check it out. You're just a little kid. Go back to the sheep where you came from, man. Go back to tending to the father's flock. And and he starts talking about David that way in a negative sense. And and David pipes up. Now, I believe this. Eliab in this hour represents the world. Now, the world should be afraid like Eliab was. The world should be afraid. Why? Because they don't have God to cling on to. But David is able, as he represents the church in this particular occasion, he is able to stand up and he is able with faith and he is able with the fervency in his spirit and a whole lot of faith to say, well, I'm not afraid. Why? Because I don't come with a sword and with a shield, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. In other words, the God that I serve is greater than every problem is greater than every trial, is greater than every situation. And he's able to speak against this Goliath. Why? Because he knows who God is. He recognizes. Now, the thing that really blows my mind is they let Goliath speak for 40 long days before doing anything about it. Read it. It's in there. 40 day, morning and night. That's a, I mean, that's twice a day. That's a lot. That's 80 times he'd come out and speak all kind of negativity. Now, some of you, I know all of you sisters in here, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. None of you ever get an attitude any time at all. Right? Okay. I'm going to change the message. I'm already halfway done here, more than halfway done. Never get an attitude ever, right? The husbands don't just... Just sit there and just look straight at me. You'll be all right. You'll be safe. Now, let me ask you the question. If your friend or frenemy or whoever this person is calls you up, sisters, and uh, starts talking all kind of negativity and nonsense and saying, hey, you know what? I really don't like the way you dress. I don't like the way you dress your kids. They're always running around. They got boogers, as we say in Spanish. They got mocos coming out of their nose. I mean, they they don't know any. I mean, they don't even know how to talk right. They're like five years old, you know. And they just start talking all kind of mess about your kids, about your family, right, about your husband. I don't like the way he wears his shoes wrong and this and that and the other. How many of you would just listen for 40 days and be like, oh, okay, uh-huh, yeah? Oh, that too. You don't like that? All right. I see some people here nodding their heads already like, no, that's not happening. Some of you might get so spiritual, you might be like, you know what? 
You've got to go, and so do I in Jesus' name, right? You just hang up. The, you're not letting nobody talk 40 long days into your life negatively like that. And so why in the world would you allow the enemy to begin to talk into your life? The only reason you would do that is if you actually believe what he's saying. The longer you let him talk, the more you're going to begin to believe it. But I believe that there's a David that's rising up saying, you know what? Uh, that's a Goliath, but that's not a Goliath that God can't destroy. That's not a problem that God can't overcome. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. I'm going to chop that Goliath's head off. I'm going to feed his body to the fowl of the air and the beast of the field. Why? Because I've got God on my side. Somebody clap your hands for a moment and magnify the Lord. And understand that this, this particular time that David is talking to Saul, Saul says, put on the armor, man. And as Saul's telling him, put on the armor, David looks at Saul and says, look, I, I can't fit that armor. And, and Saul begins to test him. Who have you ever fought? Who have you ever defeated before? Who is it that you've ever come against? And he says, look, there was a bear the other day. and There, there was a lion the other day. Had a had a sheep in his mouth. And I literally, from his beard, pulled that sheep out and, and killed that lion. And you would think, well, a Goliath, a man, doesn't amount to a bear and to a lion, right? Some of you might think that, well, a man with a sword and a shield doesn't amount to a bear and to a lion. It's not the same type of thing. But David goes on to say, thy servant sued both the lion and the bear and his uncircumcised Philistines shall be as one of them. In other words, he's the exact same as they are. And then he says, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And what I'm trying to convey to you today is the circumstance may have changed. It might not be a bear. It might not be a lion. It might not be a financial crisis like it was before. It might not be fear like it was before. It might not be depression like it was before. But the Lord that we have is still the same even in this valley. And that's why we can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. Somebody clap your hands. I want you to magnify the Lord just for a moment. Would you shout unto God? I feel like somebody on this Wednesday night feels the victory. You feel the Holy Ghost. Will you respond to what God is doing in this hour? Hallelujah. There are things that God wants to do, but I want you to recognize these situations are not to destroy you. They've not been built uh, so that you can, can turn your back on God, so that you watching online would not return to the house of the Lord. Uh, they've not been devised for that thing, uh, for you to never return, for you to never be with the brethren. Is this all right? I'm saying it anyway. For the brethren to be together in the house of the Lord. It's not been devised for you to backslide and turn your back on God, but rather God is trying to show you that he's real in this hour just as much as he is in every hour, just as much as he will be tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. Why don't we stand and clap our hands unto the Lord? I feel something happening in this building right now. Will you respond to what Jesus is doing?
I wish somebody would prophesy like David before he ever had a sword in his hand. He'd tell Goliath, I'm going to chop your head off. I wish somebody would tell the enemy, my kids are coming back. That's it in the name of Jesus. My debt in this church will be demolished. Our infirmities will be gone. Why? Because we've got Jesus on our side. Go ahead, somebody begin to speak life over your home. Would you do that now? Somebody begin to speak peace right now over your mind, over your family, over your wife, over your husband, over your daughter, over your son. I feel the Holy Ghost. Go ahead, would you clap your hands and just respond in any way you want to what Jesus is doing. Would you close your eyes, everyone, where you're at? If you've got a need, everyone close your eyes all together. If you've got a need here today that you want Jesus to take care of, would you raise your hand real high? Would you do that? You say, I've got a need. Good. Now, all those with your hands raised, would you come? Come quickly down to the altar. Just remain standing if you feel like it. When you get here, remain standing.